The sun is down, and the stars are out. Everyone turn up your volume and turn down your lights. The Twilight Beacon begins transmitting now. Jedediah D. Blackwell here, coming to you from the Twilight Beacon here in the American Southwest. Tonight, I'm digging deep into my own collection of recordings from the Golden Age of Radio, bringing you two classic stories that are guaranteed to give you the shivers. Our first story tonight is Ghost Hunt, which aired on the radio program Suspense, June 23, 1949. Suspense was a staple of CBS radio for 20 years, airing from 1942 to 1962. It was one of the most popular programs of its kind. Because of CBS radio's location in Los Angeles, the radio program Suspense frequently featured already established stars of radio, television, and feature films. The episode Ghost Hunt is no exception, as the featured voice is Ralph Edwards, who plays Smiley Smith, a radio DJ who spends the night in a haunted house. This story is an early example of found footage fiction. More recent examples in feature film are The Blair Witch Project, Cloverfield, Paranormal Activity, and the infamous Cannibal Holocaust. The star of this episode, Ralph Edwards, is a member of the National Radio Hall of Fame. At the time of its airing, he was already a well-known CBS radio personality. Later in his career, he produced many radio and TV game shows, including Truth or Consequences and This Is Your Life. Edwards went on to be the executive producer for The People's Court, which is widely regarded as the very first reality TV show. Edwards was a great choice for the role of Smiley Smith in Ghost Hunt, with his ability to mimic the corny delivery of radio DJs of the time, and his trademark habit of injecting nervous laughter into his voice. So, here it is, as heard on Suspense in June of 1949, Ghost Hunt. Now, Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present... Suspense! Tonight, Autolite brings you Mr. Ralph Edwards in Ghost Hunt, a suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leder. Yeah, didn't that leave you high, huh? Left me feeling treetop tall. That was Louis Armstrong's I Can't Give You Anything But Love. And that's all we have time for on the Hot and Mellow Hour tonight. Yes, 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 this is Smiley Smith, your favorite disc jockey. I hope, I hope, booting the Hot and Mellow Hour home for this evening. 
I'll be back again tomorrow night, minus the music, but with a little surprise for you. Tomorrow night, Friday night, as you know, is stunt night here at station WXP. And have I got a stunt for you. Last week, if you remember, I planted my wire recorder in the steam room at a lady's Turkish bath and let you listen in on the playback, remember? <laughs> well, tonight, as soon as I leave the studio, do you know where I'm going? Hmm? Your friend Smiley is going to spend the night in a haunted house on a spook hunt. You heard me, a spook hunt in a haunted house. I'm bringing a little old wire recorder along with me, and if you tune in tomorrow evening at this time, you'll learn what it's like to spend a night in a haunted house. Ain't that something? <laughs> yeah. A real haunted house. No kidding. Four people are known to have committed suicide there. So tune in tomorrow night and share a real thrill with your old pal Smiley, I must be crazy, Smith. Good night. <laughs> Care for a cigar, Mr. Thorpe? I got some cigars in the dash there. No. Well, no reason for you to carry a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Thorpe. Oh, really? Well, I don't like this fool stunt. Well, I don't see it as a fool stunt at all. I really don't. I think it's the only way you're going to unload this house. Ordinary selling methods won't work in a case like this. Now, don't forget the reputation saddling this house. Four suicides since 1939. You know what people call it. The death trap. Yes. It's a lot of nonsense. Sure, but try to convince people of that. Anyway, when this disc jockey offered me this chance to kill all the rumors about the death... About the property, I just naturally jumped and took him up at it. Especially since it don't cost a cent. You sure about that? I'm not liable for a penny. Not a cent. We're doing him a favor letting him use the place, he said. Thanked me for the chance last night when I drove him out here. So one hand washes the other, as the feller says. He got a chance to pull off a stunt, and the wire recording will prove the people the property is A number one, and we increase the chance of selling the place. Well, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Not a thing. He's using his own recorder, and I'm paying for the rental of a couple of walkie-talkies he hooked up to it. Well, uh, what about this, uh, Reed? Does he charge anything? He comes gratis, too. Dr. Reed is a, uh, whatchamacallit, a psychic investigator. Belongs to a couple of societies that do nothing but hunt ghosts. <laughs> He showed me articles he's written about it in their magazine. Uh -huh. Well, here's the house. Yeah, looks real nice in the sunshine, don't it? Yeah, man, smell that sea breeze. You don't have to sell me. Well, let them know we're here. Yeah, probably asleep up all night and everything. Why don't they come out? Do you think they've gone? Well, I told them last night I'd pick them up around 11. Uh, Smith! Smith! Hey, Smiley! Dr. Reed! Yeah, fast asleep, I guess. We better go in and wake him up. Of course, they may have taken the bus back to town. Oh, no, no. It's a two-mile hike to the main highway. Uh, Smith! Hey, uh, Smiley. Where are you? Wake up. You don't suppose, uh, do you? Oh, no, no. Uh, Smith! Uh, Dr. Reed! What's that, that, uh, clicking noise from in there? 
Oh, that's his wire recorder. He left it running. Well, these machines cost a lot of money. Doesn't he care if he uses up his batteries? Well, where is he? And where's this reed? Maybe they're upstairs. Uh, Smith! Hey! Anybody home? They must have walked to the highway and taken the bus. Well, he wouldn't have left these machines. Well, where are they then? Where are they? No, no, no. Don't get excited, Mr. Thorpe. Don't tell me not to get excited. If something's happened to them in my house, I'm liable. Well, you try this side. I'll try that one. All right. Uh, Smith. Hey, Smiley. Smith. Smith. Oh. McDonald. Come here. No, what? What it? Oh. No. Ree. Dr. Ree. No, no, don't touch him, Mr. Thorpe. You'll get your hands off. Look. Blood. Is he dead? I can still feel his pulse. We better get him to the hospital fast. for a cigar, Mr. Thorpe? No, no, thanks. Well, why not try to relax? The nurse said Reed would be all right as soon as he's had a blood transfusion. You told the radio station to be sure and call us as soon as they had any word about Smith? Yes, I told him. Uh, why don't you sit down? No, oh, I'm all at sixes and sevens. What do you suppose happened out there last night? Uh, we're going to know in just a second, just as soon as I can get this, this recorder set up. You don't suppose Smith and Reed got into a fight, do you? Yeah, there. Huh? A fight? I don't know. Well, what's wrong? Won't it work? Yeah, it works. Uh, take it easy. One, two, three. Testing. One, two, three. There. Testing. One, two, three. All set, Dr. Reed? Mr. McDonald? Hey? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> this is Smiley Smith speaking. Smiley Smith, the ghost hunter. I don't know whether to hope this will turn out to be a success for the sake of the program or a failure for my own sake. Anyway, all the preparations have been made now, and it's up to the spooks. I better tell you where we are. Right now, we're standing on the lawn of a house about 12 miles above Malibu Beach. The ocean is 100 feet away, straight down. The house is perched on a cliff, and there's a sheer drop of about 100 feet right into the old Pacific. Maybe you can hear the surf pounding. I'll turn up the volume. You hear it? Now... I'm going to have you meet two gentlemen who are here with me. Incidentally, we're the only people around for miles and miles. First, I'd like you to meet Dr. Clarence Reed of the British and American Psychical Research Guilds. Dr. Reed is a famous investigator of uh, psychic phenomena, and I'm very honored to be associated with him on this ghost hunt. He's smiling in an embarrassed sort of way. You're much too kind, Mr. Smith. Dr. Reed has conducted experiments in this field with such great believers in spiritualism as Oliver Lodge and Arthur Conan Doyle. He looks a bit like Santa Claus. He's short and stocky. You don't object, do you, Dr. Reed? Hmm? <laughs> no, 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 indeed. And he has a magnificent white beard, a truly great beaver. Dr. Reed is so enthusiastic about ghost hunting that he got out of a sick bed this evening to be with us. <coughs> Excuse me. My lungs. Mm -hmm. I was uh, gassed in the First World War. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Dr. Reed and I are here on the lawn looking at the house. Can't see much. It's around, oh, 11 p.m. now. Seems to be a rambling sort of house, two stories high. Since it was built, there have been four suicides here. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Uh, in, into the mic, please. Oh, yeah. 
Four suicides since 1939. I better tell them who you are so they won't think you're a ghost. Eh? Standing with the doc and me is a real estate agent, Mr. Charles McDonald. He handles this property, and he can tell you a lot more about it than I can. Well, the house was built by a man named Marcus, Toby Marcus, an orange grower. Built the house as a wedding present for his wife. A month after they moved in, she took her own life. On the day of her funeral, he committed suicide the same way. There have been two other cases since then, and did, I... Did they all uh, jump into the ocean? Yeah, yeah, all four of them, right over there. Well. The last one was actually seen doing it about three years ago. He was seen running like all get out the edge of the cliff, and he was shouting and laughing and yelling as though there was people at his side running right along with him. You kidding? No, it's a fact. He was laughing and yelling and running, and when he got to the edge, right over there, he jumped and never came above water. As good an argument against cold baths as ever I've heard. <laughs> uh, since then, people just refuse to live in this house. Silly, I call it. Anyway, if you and Dr. Reed find any sign of a spook, I'll advise the owner to pull the house down and rebuild. But if you don't find anything, I'm hoping this will convince folks that here's a real buy. Yeah, okay, Mr. Smith, you and the doctor are on your own. I'll be by in the morning to pick you up around 11. Goodbye, Mr. McDonald. I hope yes. there's something left for you to pick up in the morning. <laughs> well, it's almost pitch black, folks, and I guess Dr. Reed and I ought to begin. I don't believe in ghosts, never have, but what I say is this. If you're dead set on looking for them, this is a dandy place to do it. So long! Mr. McDonald just checked out, and then there were two. Well, three. Oh, my dog, yeah. Uh, folks, I have my dog, Jeff, with me. He's a wire-haired terrier, three years of age, and he can talk. Yeah, say hello, Jeff. Come on, Jeff, say hello. Come on. Well, anyway, he's a wire-haired terrier, and he's three years old. Uh, shall we go inside now, Dr. Reed? I was about to suggest it. Now, uh, how do we hunt ghosts, Doctor? How do we do it, huh? Well, we don't really hunt them. If there should be any in the house, they will come to us. Oh, how cozy. And please, not ghosts. Do not refer to them as ghosts. We know them as apparitions. I'll remember. I've no desire to hurt their feelings. Where ghosts are concerned, I say live and let live. <laughs> well, we've opened the front door now. Maybe you heard the hinge squeak a little. Now we're standing here looking in. Can't see much. <laughs> Smells sort of musty and damp. What's the matter, Jeff? What's the matter, boy? Jeff. Oh, come on now. Come on. My dog seems to object to entering this house. He has all four feet braced and he's straining against the leash. Perhaps he senses something we don't. Like apparitions, maybe? Perhaps. It's not unusual. Animals lack the veneer of sophistication we humans possess and are more sensitive to such emanations. Yeah, come on, Jeff. Now, stop this nonsense. He probably smells a mouse or rat or something. Come on, Jeff. We're going in whether you like it or not. There's a short entrance hall, and over there at the end of it is a flight of stairs leading to the second floor. Jeff! And uh, over here at the left is what seems to be a large reception room. We're entering this large room now. There are windows over there, French windows, and through them I can see the ocean. The electricity hasn't been turned on, so all I have to see by is a flashlight. Not a very powerful one at that. Dr. Reed is now adjusting his walkie-talkie. It's hooked up to my recorder so that he can cut in while he's hunting and tell us what he's found. Here's a few words from Doc before he sets forth on his investigation through the house. Ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Mr. Smith has introduced me as a ghost hunter. He spoke, I think, in a spirit of skepticism and, and levity. I'd like to assure you all that my purposes here are serious. I have spent my entire life seeking reliable proof of the appearances of apparitions. Mm. 
Have you ever seen any, ever? I have seen phenomena which lead me to believe in the possibility of their existence, although I have never seen any. I account myself sensitive to the evidence of their existence. This house, for example, affects me profoundly. It doesn't seem to affect you in the same way. I'm not too happy about all this, if that's what you mean. You are not psychic and therefore not sensitive to these matters as I am. I imagine the question in the minds of those of you listening to us is, shall we find apparitions? I don't know. But I feel they are here and that they are evil. I sense danger. I shall soon know. Dr. Reed's leaving the room now to make a tour of the house. First thing I'm going to do is open the windows and let some fresh air in. Ah, it feels better already. Cooler anyway. I know that. Out! What was a bat? A, ba a bat just flew flew into the room. I, I think it's a bat, not a bird. I didn't actually see it. Just its its shadow as it fanned my face. There it is again. It touched me as it passed. <laughs> Jeff, 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 come back here. Jeff, you fool dog, come back here. Doctor Reed. Doctor Reed. Doctor Reed. <laughs> Suspense. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Ralph Edwards in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Ralph Edwards as Smiley Smith in Ghost Hunt. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Jeff! Jeff! Jeff, come back here! Jeff, you fool dog, come back here! Dr. Reed! Dr. Reed! Dr. Reed! Reed speaking. What is it, Smith? Uh, Jeff has run off. My dog, he, he jumped through the window and ran off. Oh, so? I told you he sent something about this house, didn't I? Yeah, you want to come and see if you can determine what it was exactly that set him off? Uh, soon. I'm making my way slowly up the stairs toward the second floor now. I'm halfway up. I'll be down with you soon. <laughs> Folks, my dog's run away. You probably heard him howling. He jumped through the window and took off. Never did anything like that before. Frightened by the bat, I guess. Personally, alone here in this big room, I can understand how he must have felt. This isn't a cheerful spot by any means. I may not be psychic, but I sure have a feeling this house doesn't want us here. Read again. <coughs> Excuse me. I have something of great interest to report. I'm now standing in an alcove on the second floor trying to recover my breath. As I reached the head of the stairs, I felt what I think is a definite psychic manifestation. I felt suddenly as though I had been punched in the solar plexus. That's the only way I can describe it. At the same time, I began to perspire. My head is still swimming slightly, and I have difficulty in swallowing. My pulse rate is around 110 in a minute. The sense of evil is very strong. I feel very, uh, what shall I say, profoundly depressed. Do you want me up there? Uh, no, I prefer to remain up here alone. The presence of a disbeliever such as you might interfere with my investigation. Folks, I'd like you to get a picture of what it's like here. It's very quiet, for one thing. I've never been in such a quiet place. And it's pretty dark. No light except my flashlight. Tell you what, you go now and douse all the lights you have on. Go ahead, put out the lights, and that'll give you a clearer feeling of how it is here with me. Go ahead, put out the lights. Hey, did, did you hear that? 
<laughs> Real estate agent told me I'd probably hear rats and mice in the walls. Well, I can certainly hear them now. Even you can hear them, I think. It's as though... Dr. Reed speaking. I've been working my way toward the front room, the one directly above the one in which Mr. Smith is now. The vibrations have become stronger and more and more pronounced as I approach it. I think I am on the verge of an important discovery. Important discovery? Did you get that? Now I can hear Dr. Reed moving about in the room above. I don't suppose you can. Have a try anyway, huh? Hear him? I hope he finishes his investigation soon because... Quite frankly, I'd like to get out of here. I can well imagine people becoming unhinged in this place. Right now, I find myself pretty jumpy. Not being very brave, am I? It's being alone in this room down here that does it. This, this darned old house, it's, it's a very, I mean, you know, the atmosphere, it's so very... I wish only to make this hurried report before continuing with the investigation in this room. I have carefully sounded out all the parts in this room, and the emanations are most strong from what appears to be a closet before which I am now standing. As soon as I open the door to this closet, I will have, I think, a thing of great interest to communicate. I find no key to the lock, and so I will attempt to remove the hinges with my penknife, and I will tell you what I find when I open it. I'll tell you what it would cost to get me to open that door. In the basement at Fort... There's that bat again. It seems to like me the way it keeps... Each time it passes, it touches my face or my neck with its wings. <laughs> Smelly things, bats... I don't suppose they bathe very often, if at all. I wonder how... Get away, you bat! That bat'll be the death of me. That's like a jingle, isn't it? Bat'll be the death of me, the death of me, the death of me. Bat'll be the death of me. It isn't far from London. No, that isn't the way it goes. It's uh, come down to Q um, in lilac time, in lilac time, in lilac time. Come down to Q in lilac time. It isn't far... I haven't thought of that since I was a kid in grammar school. See, I had a lonely childhood when you come right down to it. I mean, uh, oh, that's my affair, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. It well, certainly is. I have succeeded in removing the hinges to the door, and I find inside it is not a closet, but much larger. It is, I think, a dressing room. I have not yet been inside, but I am about to enter. Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah, bats. Well, the bat flying back and forth in this room is... Did you hear that? Did, did you hear it? Dr. Reed must have knocked something over in the dressing room. A chair, a chair, yeah, a heavy chair by the sound of it. The chair or whatever it was must have fallen right, right over my head. That's the way it sounded. I, I, I can see a small stain forming right on the ceiling, right, right over my head. <gasps> something ran across my foot just there. A rat, I think it was. I've always hated rats. Most people do, of course. That stain up there bothers me. It, it's gotten so big so soon. I think I'll take a chance and bother Reed and ask him what it is. Dr. Reed... Reed, can you hear me? Are you all right? Hello? Well, he didn't answer. I, I, I think he's just a little bit deaf. I think so. What do you suppose he's found, huh? I'm afraid this is rather dull for you listeners. I, I'm not finding it so, of course. There. I, I heard him cough. Did you hear that cough? Hope he's all right. He's, he, he got out of a sickbed to come here this evening, you know. He was gassed in the First World War, and this place is beginning to get on my nerves a wee bit, just a teensy-weensy bit. <laughs> Reed, speaking, I... Hello? He switched off. That's a bad cough he's got. I feel so lonely. I've been alone so much in my life. Not so much now, of course, but when I was younger, I was alone so much of the time, you know, struggling to get ahead, living in a hall, bedroom, wondering where my next meal is coming from. 
I get the blues just remembering it. Seem sad, young people having to spend so much time alone. Sad for old people, too, of course. I'm saying of course a lot. Of course I am. Hey, that stain on the ceiling, it's grown amazingly. It, it, it's actually beginning to drip. I mean, form bubbles. They'll start dropping soon. Colored bubbles, they seem to be. Odd-shaped stain, like a, a, a body lying on its back with its arms stretched out. <laughs> it's cheerful. <laughs> oh. I'll certainly advise Mr. McDonald to have this place pulled down. I'll go upstairs in a minute or two to see how Dr. Reed's making out. You know, listeners, I, I really believe I'd go completely crazy if I had to stay here much longer. Wears you down. That's exactly what it does. It wears you down. It's so close and musty in here. I feel sort of trapped. <laughs> Don't know why I said that. That's, that's what they call this place, you know, the death trap. There, what did I tell you? That stain started to drip drops. Drip drops. Drip drops. Drip drops. Drip. I'll catch the next one in my hand and let you... <gasps> Reed! Dr. Reed! I'm, I'm going upstairs now, listeners. I'm, I'm afraid something has happened to Dr. Reed. I'm not kidding now. I mean, this is on the level. I, which room could it be now? Right? Left, no, right, right. This is it, I think. Well, <laughs> oh, evening, gentlemen. And, and madam, I'm so glad to see you. I, I, I was just aching to see somebody, anybody. I, I've been so lonely down there. Uh, what have you done with the doctor, huh? I know, I know he's been hurt. See the color of the bubble on my hand? What have you done with him? Make way, please, gentlemen, make way. Well, well this isn't the, the funniest darn thing. <laughs> this can't be Dr. Reed lying here. He didn't have a red beard. Now, don't crowd me, gentlemen. Don't, don't crowd me, please. Huh? You want me to go where with you? You want me to do what? Speak up, gentlemen. To the cliffs. Down to the cliffs? You mean right now? <laughs> well, well, all right, if you'll come with me. I don't want to be alone anymore. You will come with me? All of you? All four of you? You too, ma'am? Oh, good. Come on, then. To the cliffs. To the cliffs. To the cliffs. To the... He jumped over the cliff. He jumped over the cliff, McDonald. He jumped over... Mr. McDonald, Mr. Thorpe, you may come in to see Dr. Reed now. What? Uh-huh. Dr. Reed is conscious. You may see him now. Is, is he able to talk? Just for a few minutes. In here. Come in. Come in, gentlemen. How are you, Dr. Reed? We've been waiting to see you. Yes, and I must apologize, gentlemen. I had a most unfortunate accident. Hemorrhage. A hemorrhage? Yes. My lungs, you know. No, gentlemen. Hemorrhage? Dr. Reed, what happened in that house? What happened to Smith? We've just been listening to a playback of the recordings you made out there. Smith? Well, isn't he with you? We've just heard the recording, Dr. Reed. Smith jumped over the cliff into the ocean. Oh, that poor boy. Dr. Reed, will you please tell us what happened? We heard on the recording there were ghosts in that house. Ghosts? I didn't see any ghosts. But Smith, what about him? If he went over the cliff, it was fear that drove him over. But Gentlemen, I didn't see any ghosts. As for that unfortunate young man, who can say now what he saw or thought he saw?
Thank you, Ralph Edwards, for displaying your versatility by appearing as guest star on Suspense. And now here again is Ralph Edwards. I want to thank Tony Leader and his great cast of actors for helping to make my appearance on Suspense a very pleasant consequence. <laughs> like all of you, I'm a great Suspense fan, and I'm looking forward to next week when radio's outstanding theater of thrills brings you Joseph Cotton in The Day I Died, another gripping study in... Suspense. Tonight's suspense play was adapted for radio by Walter Newman from an original story by H.R. Wakefield with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Bluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. Make it a point to listen next Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. I hope you enjoyed Ghost Hunt from the Suspense Radio Show, as originally aired on June 23, 1949. Next up is The Shadow People, as aired on the Hall of Fantasy radio program, September 5, 1952. Hall of Fantasy is a somewhat obscure series. This program started as a local show in Utah before getting national syndication, which lasted for only about a year. Hall of Fantasy leaned towards more deadly plots and supernatural threats compared to the more mainstream shows like Suspense and Escape. You'll notice that there are no actors introduced, which is standard for this show. It did not have famous guest stars, but the acting is well done, especially the voice of the Shadow People, which is genuinely unsettling. This story will have you glancing over your shoulder and double-checking the shadows in the corners of the room tonight. For an extra challenge, listen with the lights off and see how long you make it before you start seeing shapes and movement in the dark. And now here's the Shadow People, as heard on Hall of Fantasy, September 5th, 1952. And now... The Hall of Fantasy! Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Shadow People. Elaine, have you been... I mean, have you seen anything else since you spoke to me last? No, I haven't. Ever since Mother died, nothing's happened. Well, I only hope... <laughs> it came from upstairs. Come on. Oh, you don't I don't know what to think. I only hope that... Oh, David, if anything's happened to him... I'm... We'll see in a moment. There's no light in this room. You wait here, Elaine. Where's the light? Over to your left. David, what's wrong? Why didn't you leave the light on? Your father's dead, Elaine. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Shadow People. And now for our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Shadow People. 
Somewhere along the line of your life, you've met them. You have come in contact with the shadow people. When did we first discuss it? Oh, yes, Brian and Elaine and I. It was in my apartment. There was only one light on in the entire place. Oh. What's wrong? Oh. Elaine, what's the matter? Oh, it, it, it's silly, I know, but I, I I thought I saw something in that doorway over there. Where? Over there, right over there. Where are you going, David? Over to that archway, just to let you know that nothing's here. Huh. You see, Elaine, nothing's wrong, nothing at all. Are you satisfied that there's no one else here but us? Yes, I... Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought that I... Leave the overhead lights on. I'm sorry. I thought that... Put them back on, David, please. All right, Elaine. Look, what's bothering you, sis? I don't know. It's just that... I don't know. Tell us about it, Elaine. Tell us what's bothering you. You promise that you... You won't laugh at me? Of course not. Brian? Elaine, I'm your brother. If something's troubling you, I'd like to know about it. All right, then. The reason I was so upset was the fact that I saw someone or something standing in that archway. But Elaine, David showed you that there was no one else in here. When the lights were put on, you saw for yourself that we were alone. I'm not talking about something you you can see in the light, Brian. I'm not talking about a human being. And what's it all about, Elaine? In the darkness, I, I saw something that can't be seen in a lighted area. And I've seen it several times before. You sure you're not imagining this, Elaine? Oh, I don't have that good an imagination, Brian. How long have you have you seen this thing, Elaine? Well, it it started about six weeks ago. You were in Detroit on business, Brian. Mom and Dad were on vacation. I was in the house by myself, in the library. There was only one light on. I sat in the chair beneath it, reading. Several times I thought that something was watching me. I felt there was someone in the room with me, standing right in back of me. Every so often, I'd glance back over my shoulder, but there seemed to be nothing there. And then... Then I thought I heard someone whispering. I wasn't sure, but when I heard it again, I got up and I, I, I looked all over the house. Oh, I'm not easily frightened, you know that, but... But out in the hallway... It was almost entirely black. Luckily, I was near a light switch. I looked back over my shoulder, and I saw this huge, hulking shape for the first time. And I heard a voice. Or rather, the whisper of a voice. I couldn't distinguish the words, but that dark shape seemed to be moving towards me. My hand was on the light switch, and I turned it on. In a minute, the light flooded the hallway. The shape was gone. There was nothing there. I was alone again. As long as there's light, I know it can't hurt me. I know it can't reach me. You might have imagined it, you know. Of course, that's possible, but I'm sure I didn't. It was so real. So real, that shape in the darkness. It was the very essence of evil itself. There was an old man I knew of, a Dr. Hesedius. I'd heard that he knew quite a good deal about the supposed supernatural manifestations which had taken place in the world. I went to him, 
to see if he knew anything that might explain the events of the story Elaine had told us. Yes, my good sir. What do you wish? I have an appointment with Dr. Cecilius. Oh, yes, yes. He mentioned something about it. You are Mr. Drake? Yes. If you'll come inside. Thank you. Dr. Cecilius is in the study. Please come with me. Doctor? A visitor for you? Oh, yes. Bring him in. May I go now? Yes, Doctor. Mr. Drake? Yes. Sit down, please, in that chair over there. Thank you, sir. Now, what is the nature of your visit to me? Well, I understand, Dr. Vesalius, that you have a great knowledge of the supernatural manifestations which have occurred on the earth. Great knowledge, Mr. Drake? No, hardly that. I have only scratched the surface in my years of study. Perhaps I can help you, then again, perhaps I cannot. Well, may I tell you the story? By all means, my good sir. All right. Now, this didn't happen to me, Doctor, but to my fiancée. It seems that about six weeks ago, when she was alone... But when the light was on, the dark form disappeared. And that's the story, sir. As much of it as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I see. It's a strange tale to tell. I'm fully aware of that, Dr. Vesalius. You say she seemed to hear whispered voices? Yes, that's what she says. I see. A moment, please. I have a book in my file. Oh, yes. Here it is. This is the one. Yes. Perhaps I may be able to help you after all. Let me see. This is a very ancient book, Mr. Drake. I seem to remember... Yes. Here is an account of a happening such as you relate. And we shall live on the earth and they shall not see us. Yes, it has been foretold by the ruler of the darkness. They who live by day, retire to sleep by night, shall never know that we walk with them, that we watch them, that we wait for our chance. Only in the night will they see us, for in the daylight we are not seen. Only in the night... When the darkness grows together and the forms of the shadow people are shaped from the blackness, they will know us. They will know that we are their companions, for we are the shadow people. I knew I had read something similar to the story you have told me, Mr. Drake. Dr. Asilius, what can we do? Well, give me a little time. Let me see if I can find any more references to these uh, people of the darkness. One more thing, Mr. Drake. Yes. Be sure that your fiancé is never left alone at night. Be sure that there is some living thing, animal or human, which accompanies her every second of the night. For she is in danger, Mr. Drake. A terrible danger. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne, entitled... The Shadow People. That night, the night of the day I had seen Cecilius, Elaine's mother died. She died in her sleep. When she failed to appear for breakfast, Elaine's father went upstairs to see what was wrong. 
When he entered her room, he discovered that she was dead. The family doctor couldn't explain it, for Elaine's mother had been in perfect health. A few weeks later, I was out of the house spending a weekend with him. I glanced at the clock on the mantel, and it showed 11. I can't understand why Brian hasn't returned from town. Well, he said he had some extra work to catch up on. He told me this morning that he might be late. Well, 11 o'clock, I'm going upstairs. Glad you came out, David. It's good seeing you again. It's a pleasure to be here, sir. Well, don't stay up too late. See you both in the morning. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mr. Davis. He isn't the same, David. Ever since Mother died, he hasn't been the same. I didn't realize it until tonight. He's changed. I only hope that he'll start living again. Ever since she died, it, it seems that a part of him died with her. Elaine, have you been... I mean, have you seen anything else since you spoke to me last? No, I haven't. Ever since... Mother died. Nothing's happened. Well, I only hope. Came from upstairs. Come on. You don't. Think I don't know what to think. I only hope. David, David, if anything's happened to him, we'll see in a moment. There's no light in this room. You were here, Elaine. Where's the light? Over to your left. David, what's wrong? Why didn't you leave the light on? Your father's dead, Elaine. <laughs> I'd walked into the darkened bedroom. On the bed was Elaine's father. It didn't take a second look for me to note that he was dead. I switched off the light and walked back into the hallway to tell Elaine what happened. And then from the room there had come an eerie, quiet laughter... In the darkness of that room was some unknown evil power. The voice itself was unearthly. There was no substance to it. It sounded as if... as if it came from the darkness itself. No. No, I don't believe you. It's the truth, Elaine. There's nothing more I can do. We'll have to notify the police. Tell me it's not the truth, David. Tell me it's not true. I'm sorry, Elaine. I wish I could. Your father's dead. After the burial, Dr. Hesselius got in touch with me. He said that he wanted to meet both Elaine and Brian, that he wanted to talk to the three of us. Accordingly, a few nights later, he came out to their house. Miss Davis, will you tell me just when you saw the first manifestation? The night Brian was in Detroit. No, Miss Davis, you have even seen this apparition in the company of other people, is that correct? Yes. The night at David's apartment. All right. Now I'll tell you what I think. You are in deadly danger, Miss Davis. These beings want to claim you. So far, they have had no success. Only in the darkness do they have power. Little by little, step by step, they have been removing the obstacles in their way to reaching you. First your mother, and then your father, Miss Davis. Both died in the same fashion. In the darkness, death struck at them. Now tell me, do you feel their presence here in this room as I talk to you? Yes. Turn out the lights, Brian. Stand by the switch, if you please, Brian. If anything happens, turn the lights back on. All right. Dr. Vesilius, I don't... Do you want me to continue working with you? Yes, sir. All right, then. Brian, turn off the lights. Yes, 
The room now is in darkness, Miss Davis. Do you feel or see anything? No, I... Yes. Yes, I do. Do you see anything? Yes. Be quiet, you fool. I know what I'm doing. In front of me. The darkness gathering together into a huge... Not only do you see us, Miss Davis, but everyone else in the room also will see the vague shapes forming themselves in the blackness. We do not want you, Dr. Cecilius. The girl we want. We advise you to drop this case. You will only bring down the wrath of the shadow people upon your head. The girl... We want the girl to not stop us. Let us take her now. Turn on the light. They're gone. Miss Davis, are you all right? Yes. Yes, I am. Just as she said. The darkness. I I saw it form into something, too. So did I. What are we going to do, Dr. Hesselius? At the present moment, I don't know. But this much I do know. You must leave this house immediately. You must try to get out of their reach. I don't know if that is possible. I hope it is. I shall have to return to my home. I must learn if there is some manner by which we can defeat these creatures. For the moment, leave this house. Dispose of it in any manner you may see fit, but leave this house. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Shadow People. spent the night in my apartment, the three of us. The following day, Brian and Elaine made arrangements to dispose of the house. In the afternoon, Dr. Hesselius called me and asked that I come to see him. David, I'm glad you're here. Anything new, Doctor? Yes and no. You realize, of course, that this spiritual manifestation is not new, that it has gone on for centuries. No, I wasn't aware of that. It's true, David. De Maupassant wrote uh, what was supposedly a fiction story about the manifestation, David. He called it... uh, However, according to the information here on my desk, it was taken from an actual case history. Of course, he embroidered the story, added a few touches to something he didn't realize actually existed. But have you found anything with which we can fight them? Everything depends upon an answer I received from a colleague of mine in Paris, Dr. Henri Renault. I dispatched a telegram to him last night. Why hasn't he answered by now? There are certain things that must be done. It will take a few days, I'm afraid. We have to wait, David. There's nothing else we can do. In the next few days, the house was sold, and Brian and Elaine moved into a newer, more modern home a few miles from my apartment. Cecilia said it might take a few days for them to build up their power. I spent the night at the new house. The lights were left on and I watched for any unusual occurrence. In the daytime, I'd return to my apartment and get some sleep. About four days after Elaine and Brian moved into the new house, I was at home when Hesedius phoned me. Hello? David? Yes, Dr. Hesedius? I hate to tell you this, David. What's the matter? What's wrong? They were a step ahead of me, David. I just received word that Renault died or 
was killed at the very moment I sent the telegram to him. Step by step, they had outwitted us. For they had anticipated every move we'd make. Even Dr. Hestelius was at a loss as to what to do. He agreed to meet me at the Davis house. What did you want to see us about, Dr. Hestelius? Did you find out anything more? I'm sorry to say that I haven't. At the moment, I'm at a complete loss. I don't know what to do. But what did you want to see us about this evening? Merely to check, to see if anything else has happened. Miss Davis, have you seen or heard anything? Not in the house. Only in my dreams. Your dreams? Yes. When I go to sleep at night, in my dreams, in the darkness, I see them. And it's grown worse, much worse. I was hoping that it would not have progressed so far. There has been no disturbance in this house, but now they disturb your sleep, Miss Davis. Now, you must stay awake for as long as you can. I want the three of you to move into my house. Perhaps that will give you more protection. night, we moved over to Vesuvius house. Perhaps Elaine would have more protection there. From there, we might be able to devise some plan of action, some way to beat those beings. For a few days, things were quiet. The shadow people seemed to have withdrawn. For a while, I thought that we might have succeeded in thwarting their purpose. Elaine no longer complained of troubled sleep, but that condition lasted for a few days only. About ten days later, they made themselves known and felt again. That night, we were in the study, when suddenly Hesselius whirled around and... Elaine, what are you looking at? Outside the house. I threw the light waves off. I see them. She's right, Dr. Hesselius. I can see them, too. What should we do, Doctor? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? There's nothing we can do. We can't just... We can't do anything, Brian. Don't you understand that they have us at their mercy? The greatest man in my field was Henri Renault. If he could do nothing against them... What do you think we can do? He's right, Brian. There's nothing we can do. As long as the house remains lighted, just so long will they remain outside. If the lights were to... <laughs> that sounds... The night father was killed. The same sound. We heard the same sound. The lights. What's happened to oh, the lights, all right? Be quiet, please. I thought of this emergency. A candle. That's right, Miss Davis. As long as this burns, this one candle will be safe. For they cannot advance into the light. They are limited by the darkness. As long as the candle burns, they will have to remain outside of this room. <laughs> Around you. In every room of the house. In the darkness outside. We are around you. This time you shall not escape. This time we will blame you. Take it easy, Brian. I can't stand it. I can't get out of here. Brian, come back. Don't be a fool. I'm going after him. Stay here. We just can't let him he go. He won't have a chance. I doubt it. <laughs> Miss Davis, I'm afraid that your brother is dead. <laughs> The wind, Doctor. Listen to the wind. I know. Yes, Doctor. Listen to the wind. You must realize by now that the three of you haven't a chance. 
You must know in your minds that we can destroy you at any moment we desire. But, Dr. Hesselius, you may still save your own life. Let the others go. Give them to us. No. No, you will have to take all of us. Shall we destroy your light? Shall we move in on you now? <laughs> as you will. Do as you will. I'm sorry, David. The candle is out. In the darkness. The figure is in the darkness. events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental. you enjoy this episode of the Twilight Beacon. You heard Ghost Hunt from the June 23rd, 1949 broadcast of Suspense, and The Shadow People from the September 5th, 1952 airing of Hall of Fantasy. I'll be back on the air with another episode this Wednesday, October 6th, with two episodes of the radio show Escape that later became popular movies, featuring the struggle of man against nature. Until then, this is Jedediah D. Blackwell, saying good night, everyone, and good luck getting to sleep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Twilight Beacon Podcast. New episodes are released on thetwilightbeacon.com Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays during the month of October. 
and can be found on your favorite podcast apps and streaming services. The Twilight Beacon podcast is produced and edited by Jason and Jacob Burgess. Music by Alexander Nakarada. Special thanks to the Old Time Radio Researchers Group and OTRR.com. Visit thetwilightbeacon.com for archived episodes and a schedule of upcoming shows. You can follow The Twilight Beacon on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest program updates.